Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. We're back. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? We, we both survived. That's what we should probably start out with, right? We've had a whirlwind fall. Absolutely. All good things. And um, so excited to be back podcasting with you. We wanted to get something under the wire before the chaos ensued with the holiday season and travel and let everyone know what we've been up to and touch base about our clients and our runners and kind of give everyone some scoop on what's ahead. Yeah. And kick off Boston training, sort of, you know, not quite into formal training, but we've started coaching a lot of virtual runners as they're building their base for Boston. So starting to look toward Boston again, which is crazy. Here we are again. It is crazy. So yeah, we were just talking about our runners and our client roster. And um, it's been really great because thanks to some podcasts that we've been guests on, people from all around the country have the found world. us. So we have Canadian, <laughs> Israeli, um, we've got clients in every, you know, every corner of the world right now, which is really exciting. It's, and it's been fun to get to know people. Super fun. I'm not so great at time zone calculations right now. I'm going to get better at that. And also our, um, our, our conversions to kilometers, we've gotten really good at that because a lot of our runners in Canada or in other countries are running by kilometers. So speak for yourself. Yeah. Not, I'm a little rusty <laughs> on that too. That. But um, yeah, so we thought it would be appropriate given what's going on and, and how many people are starting to look toward Boston as we head into early December, we thought it would be a good idea to get the ball rolling with our second edition of our Boston Marathon podcast. Um, it's actually season three of our podcast, but season two of our Boston Marathon podcast. And we left off in July. We did an episode um, closing out season two, where we talked about overcoming obstacles. And it was right after the Autism 5K in Potomac. And we talked about what had transpired and what our plans were for the summer and fall. And here we are at the end of fall. So Lisa, why don't you go first? You had left off that you wanted to maybe possibly do uh, a big goal. So why don't you tell everyone what you did? Yeah, well, we had uh, you know, at the very end of, I think, of our maybe our Boston podcast, or maybe it was the second, uh, second series that we did, I, I had mentioned that I really wished I had signed up for the Marine Corps Marathon 50K, which was a new addition this year to the Marine Corps Marathon. They added on five miles for those people who marathon wasn't quite enough. And I'd always wanted to do a 50K road race. I had done a 50K trail race many years ago with Dan, more for the experience. And while it was fun, I didn't exactly love the trails. I you know, felt a little bit unstable on the trails. And I said, wouldn't it be neat to do, I like the distance though. And I like that challenge of going that extra distance. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat to do it on the roads? And then the Marine Corps Marathon 50K was offered. And I didn't sign up at first because, because uh, the way they had structured it was a little weird to me. They were going to have all the 50K runners start after the marathon. So you would have been basically coming up behind 30,000 people. And I thought, well, that sounds like sort of a log jam. And I didn't know if that was something I wanted to do. But then they subsequently changed the structure where they had the 50K runners start a half hour in front of the marathoners from the start line. So get basically a half hour head start and then do an out and back and come back in and join the marathon. And the theory was that you join at about where you should be in the marathon 
pace wise anyway. And I had mentioned in our podcast that I was then disappointed I hadn't signed up because it sold out very quickly. And one of our local running friends, Andrew Winter, was listening to the podcast and had registered and had secured a spot, but realized he wasn't going to be able to run it. And there was a transfer process that you can transfer, legitimately transfer a, a bib to another runner. And he reached out to me and said, hey, I heard you said you wanted to run this. Do you want to run it? And I eagerly said, absolutely. And I took his transfer and paid the money. And I thought, oh my gosh, what did I do? <laughs> so uh, that was, I, I did get a chance to to train for and and target that. Um, backing up a little, you know, we both talked about in our last podcast, our, our summer plans and how that was going to play into our training and our training goals. And we both had some travel and um, I had a cruise that I was going on. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get in a lot of long runs. Uh, so that was something to take into account uh, with my training. So I just, I think we should maybe touch a little bit on our travel over the summer and how that played into our, how we incorporated our training into that or how we had to kind of be flexible and let that, let that go. So you did some travel and you actually travel right as you got the go ahead to start running again. Okay. So before we go back to me, I think it's important you close out your story because everyone, Lisa's being really modest she ran her first 50K ever and tell everyone just in a nutshell, how did you train for it and what happened? So my training, I really stuck to marathon training. I didn't add anything additional because of the time constraints, because we were way part of the summer, because I had a lot going. We both had a lot going on in terms of planning for our kids' mitzvahs. And I didn't really have the bandwidth to, and I also was sort of in denial that that. I was going to be running a 50K. I kept thinking, well, it's just five more miles, right? Like that's that's not that much. So uh, I, I really just trained like I would have trained for a marathon. Originally, I was training for Baltimore Marathon, but that was the weekend before Marine Corps. So I figured probably not a good idea to run 26.2, even if I was going to run it easy the week before Marine Corps. So I deferred Baltimore, but I continued my training as I had planned for Baltimore and just thought, well, I'll just get through those extra five miles. And really, we talk about this with our runners a lot, that there isn't much benefit to running really, really, really long in training. So if, if a long run of 20 miles is going to take one of our runners five hours, we often cap it and say, stop at three and a half. Because after about three, three and a half hours, there is more risk than benefit to your body adapting and building endurance. So you're really, your form starts to fall apart and you really start to risk getting injured. So uh, I really did cap it at when I got to about a three hour long run, which really was only, and I did it once. It really was, it was maybe 21 miles for me. I cut it off. So I think I did one more mile in my life. I've never run more than 20 for a long run in training. So I think I did one run that was 21 and capped it at three hours and said, said, that's it. And I just kind of went on the assumption that my my base, my total weekly mileage and my consistency over the summer and into the fall would, would get me through through the, the 50K. And I, I feel like it, it did. I, I got there. You know, actually, that's a, that's a good point, though. We can bring up uh, two weeks before uh, the 50K. I woke up and my heel hurt really badly. I got out of bed and I had heel pain. And it freaked me out. And I sent Rachel Miller, our good friend and physical therapist, an email. And I said, this is weird, but I have heel pain. I haven't done anything differently. I haven't done changed shoes. I didn't do a long run recently. It was actually really during the taper. I said, I don't know why, but I it have It was this. that one extra mile. No, it was, yeah, it, was, it was way after that. It was like maybe two weeks after that. And I didn't know why. Actually, the day before I had been with my kids at a cyclocross race and I hadn't even, I had 
walked around with them. But I had worn my Uggs, shoes that I hadn't worn all summer and that don't have a lot of support. And so in my mind, that was maybe the choice of shoes I wore to stand on my feet and walk around while they were racing may have been why. But I hadn't even run the day before. It was very weird. And so Rachel, who luckily lives behind me, said, come on over. Let me take a look at you. See what's going on. I went over to her house. She poked and prodded and said, I don't think this is anything serious. I think you're okay. Try an easy run tomorrow and see how it goes. So again, this is within two weeks of the 50K. And I went out for an easy run the next day. And I woke up the following morning and I was in a ton of pain, like more pain. And I was really freaked out. I've never run through pain. I've never had anything that's really knock on wood, anything that's really sidelined me. And this was really, I I couldn't run through. This was something I didn't want to run through. And with the 50K less than two weeks away, I was getting really panicked. So I made an appointment with uh, an orthopedist who's a podiatrist and went to see him and he took one poke and he said, plantar fasciitis, plain and simple, nothing else. It is plantar fasciitis. And he said, look, I can't promise you that you're going to be pain-free in two weeks. He said, um, some doctors may recommend a cortisone shot. He said, I would not for you. Cortisone can weaken tendons and muscles. And if you're somebody who wants to go on and put in a lot of mileage in, in the future, it's not something I would recommend. He said, what I can do as a compromise is give you a one week uh, oral steroid that I think will calm it down a little. He said, but you live behind Rachel Miller. You're friends with Rachel Miller. You go work with her for the next two weeks and see where you can get to before the race. Um, he said, I'd cut back mileage. I you know, t- listen to what Rachel has to say and, um, and see how it goes. So I started the steroids. I went to see Rachel immediately, had three appointments at her office. They did some ultrasound. They gave me some stretches to do some strength exercises, cut back my mileage very, very dramatically. Um, I actually even cut back some of my cycling, teaching some of my cycling classes out of fear that that might be exacerbating it. So really just cut things back. And I would run when Rachel would say, if I'd see her and she'd say, you know what, tomorrow try five miles and see how it goes. I would do that. And by the time race day got there, I was, I would say 95% pain-free, which was enough to, to run. And, um, luckily knock on wood since then within two weeks of the, of the 50 K I was, pain-free. So that was a little bit of a scare and a real good reality check of, you know, we can do everything right and, and be really careful and be doing our strength and stretching and, and watching our training. And sometimes things happen, they don't have an explanation, but if you catch it early and you act on it early, you have a better chance of making it through to race day. And I think also it's, it's a, a good thing to realize is that you didn't lose any fitness by not running those final two weeks. You just cut back and, you continued cycling, not as much, but it's your cardiovascular system remained the same. Your endurance remained the same and you were able to save yourself. So it's always better to make the taper a little longer and cut your training short if you're in that position versus trying to run through pain and discomfort. And I really like and appreciate that you um, skip that cortisone shot because that cortisone shot would have likely cured any pain immediately. However, the short-term benefit certainly did not outweigh the long-term goal. And I'm sure you would much rather have skipped your 50 K and run for, you know, we're running for life than running. It can be a quick fix, but with, with some consequences. So since we're already here, talk about 50 K and what happens. You started running. Did you feel pain right away? Let's back up a little bit and and I'll talk about the Mm -hmm. forecast for, Mm -hmm. for morning pro marathon was uh, rain, lots and lots of rain. We've had a dry summer and a dry fall. (laughs) We love And I was having flashbacks to 
uh, Boston yeah. uh, in 2018. And uh, much to my relief, the, the temperature was much better. Uh, it was about 60 probably at the start, 65. So it was actually a little bit humid. Uh, but I will say that having run Boston in 2020 gave me the confidence to say, I can do any, you know, the forecast is for in rain. 20, in 2018. 2018, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, 2018. The, co- you know, the confidence to say, I got this. Like I've done much. I've done this in 37 degree weather. So it was, it was pouring. It was the first time I've ever walked to a race start when it was actually pouring, even Boston, I think that year and any other year that I've had rain, it was dry at the start at least. So had to pack shoes. I wore an older pair of shoes to the start line and brought a pair in the, in a dry Ziploc bag. Uh, actually even brought an old umbrella with me to the start because it was really just trying to stay dry. Uh, at the start. So that, that added a real interesting um, aspect to Marine Corps this year. And I think especially for our runners who ran the marathon too, that, that weather was challenging and there was standing water on the course. Haynes Point had, when I was there, ankle deep water. I talked to runners who were farther ahead of me who said it was closer to shin deep water. So that really can throw you off of your your, 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 uh, your, what am I trying to say? Your, um, rhythm, your rhythm. And really it was very hard to get into a rhythm. Uh, so, and you know, you're really watching where you're stepping. You don't want to slip on slippery white lines on the roads. Uh, so it was really throughout the race, there could be downpours, torrential downpours. And we were all kind of just laughing of like, you know, what, bring it on. And then there were times when it was drier and it was just one minute to the next. And it was a good reminder of this too shall pass. In any marathon, we talk to our runners a lot about this of like, you're going to go through some hard times, but that doesn't define the rest of the race for you. This too shall pass in 10 minutes. This rain will stop in 10 minutes. You're going to feel better. In 10, in 10 minutes, minutes, we'll get it worse because it'll be hot and humid. Yeah. Well, that's and, what- <laughs> and that's what happened. So the last two miles of the race for me coming out of Crystal City the rain stopped, the sun came out and it was literally steam coming off of the ground. So it was, it was challenging and it was very interesting. The first five, I'm sorry, the first uh, part of the course where we ran ourselves and then out and back. So it was about nine miles, I think, uh, was nice because it was just the 50 K runners. Uh, you really could see what was going on. You were, it was, it wasn't crowded, but as soon as we did the out and back and it's just, I, I should say on the out and back, you could see who was ahead of you. And you were talking to people on other sites, hearing people on coming up, coming out when you were going back and vice versa. And I saw at least two or three women ahead of me, but people keep yelling, kept yelling at me on the other side. Hey, you're fourth woman. Hey, you're fifth woman. Hey, you're second woman. And kind of had an idea that I was toward the front of the group, but didn't know exactly where. And uh, once we got back to the key bridge and rejoined the marathon, you really didn't rejoin where you would be in the marathon. I rejoined probably, you know, normally in a marathon, I'd be about 315 to 330 pace. And I rejoined about 415. So uh, it was a much slower pace than I was running at the beginning and gotten into a good rhythm. And then you hit a wall of people. And it was it was very exhausting because you were slowing, starting, going around people, trying to get through crowds of people. Doing exactly what we tell our runners not to do. Exactly. And I kept thinking in my head, this is wasting so much energy Mm -hmm. because, oh, I have to stop. People are slowing in front of me. Oh, I have to try to get around these people. Oh, I have to. And this was uniform from all of the 50K people I spoke to after. Everyone had that. I think Marine Corps Marathon may need to jigger the start time because it was a very, you're in this great rhythm and you're going and then really literally hit a wall of people. And you're going a different pace and, 
And it's just, it, it's a lot, it, it was very disconcerting. And at that point, you really lose track of where am I in this race? Did anybody else in the 50K pass me? Have I passed anybody? No clue. And really, by the time I got to the finish line, I just wanted to be done. I was ready to be done. It was, those extra miles are definitely, you feel them. So when you finished, what happened? Right. So I crossed the finish line and there are lines and lines of Marines that give you your your, med, your medal. And I was crossing with a lot of other, mar- with a lot of marathoners. And again, you don't know, we all had different bibs, but unless you're looking behind you to see who has on a certain bib, you don't know who's in the 50 gate, who's the marathon. So this nice Marine comes up to me and he puts a medal around my neck and says, congratulations. And he puts something else. He puts a lanyard around my neck, but I didn't even look at it. I just thought, oh, how cute. They give the 50K people like a commemorative 50K lanyard. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was delirious at that point. And then he opens the, um, the barricade and says, and we have a special tent for you right over here. Please come inside this tent. And I think that's so nice. They give the 50K people a tent right here so I don't have to walk another step farther. And I go into the tent and he hasn't said anything to me other than that yet. And he walks me into the tent. And it's a bunch of people with press badges on and just a few runners. And I'm looking around like I'm very confused. And a a nice Marine comes up to me with a baggie of food and water. And what can I get you and have a seat? And I'm looking around and I see a woman that we know that I've seen at races before. She's in our age group, um, Judy Doldorf, who had a fabulous race. And when I saw her on the course, she was up toward the front. So I saw her and I said, hey, I saw you were doing great. Congratulations. How would you do? She said, second. And I said, wow, that's amazing. She said, well, congratulations to you, third. And I, I just kind of shook my head. I said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I, and she pointed at my lanyard that he had put around my neck and I looked down at it and it said award winner. So I, I realized that and I looked, looked around. I, I, I still, he, you know, he could have said to me when I finished, congratulations, you're the third woman. Mm-hmm. I have a special tent for you over here. No, it was just, maybe he did and I didn't hear it. Um, but I, I looked around and then I see Mike Wardian, who is a local, <laughs> fabulous, amazing runner who won it. And he's sitting right there and I sit down next to him and we had a nice chat um, and the, the press was there. So Charlie Ban, our friend from Run Washington was there. And then it kind of sunk in. Sunk in. And, and, and then they told us we were sort of quarantined there until the award ceremony. So they said, what can we get you? I mean, I had nothing with me. I hadn't checked a bag. I hadn't, I didn't have any dry clothes. I was still soaking wet, soaking wet shoes. Right, because all your stuff was at the, the right. Marine Corps Marathon hospitality suite that the Montgomery County Road Runners Well, a little, a little side story of that. I had brought a bag with just a sweatshirt mm-hmm. for after, like an old tossed sweatshirt. And I knew... I didn't want to bring anything in my check bag that I might really need because I wasn't sure I was going to make it to the bag. You know, you never know. I thought, well, what if I get to the start and I'm running short on time? I don't want to have to leave my phone or anything. You know, I'd have to get to the bag check. So I was at least smart enough to do that. And I would recommend any runners do that as a precaution, especially in a big race. If you have a bag to check, make sure it's something you don't care if you end up having to discard because it took me long enough to walk to the start and then get to my corral. I had no time left at all. I literally had about two minutes. And this very nice Marine let me use the porta potty that was at the very start of the start line. He opened the barricade for me to at least use the porta potty. It was very, I jumped back in as soon as the gun went off. So I had no time. So I left my bag to check on the side to be donated. Okay. And luckily all it was, was a sweatshirt, but yes, I didn't have that sweatshirt. Everything else was back in the hospitality suite that uh, Montgomery County road runners club does. So I sat there. Uh, they luckily, they brought us like a little jacket to cover up with a, you know, one of the that they'd given out to all the runners sort of what the new poncho is, but, uh, and we waited for about 45 minutes and then they took us out on stage and had a very nice awards presentation. I was still a little bit in shock and it was a really, it was just, and by then the sun had come out and it was nice. So at least it was a nice day. Um, so that's, that's my favorite story. It was great. How's your recovery been since then? It's another (laughs) good question. Uh, very drove home to me that it really does take a long time to recover. I felt after, 
about a week or so, not so sore. I felt like, you know, I could probably run. And uh, I took the first week very easy, did some, taught some classes, did some cycling, which actually felt really good mm-hmm. to get my legs moving. And I think kept me from feeling too terribly sore. Um, and then I probably started running again after a week or so and all of my runs until this week. So now we are four weeks over four weeks out a month out from the 50 K all of my runs have been super. I've run just by feel and not even really looking at my watch, but as a point of comparison, I usually run my easy runs about an eight forty five pace. Most of my runs have been a nine fifteen to nine forty five, even at some points pace. Uh, and I have not run a single run that averaged under nine minute per mile until, uh, this week I ran a shorter run that ended up being just like eight fifty five. And this week's been about a month. It's been a month. And so I'm finally, and, and I don't feel like I'm not recovered. I don't feel bad. I'm just running by, mm-hmm. you know, easy. I don't have anything I'm training for, not racing. So I've just been running just by feel and that feel has been slow until this week. And it has been four weeks. So I really do. We usually give our runners the the guideline that it's about a day of recovery for every mile run. So if I ran 31 miles, it's 31. And it really is this week is the first week that I felt a little bit fresher and a little bit like I'm not dragging so much. So very interesting. Sorry to interrupt. Maybe that's a good data point for you for your next marathon is maybe wait two weeks um, to try running because really – yeah, there's nothing to there's be really no, gained. Yeah. 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 I mean, some people need more time than that. I think it depends on the runner. I know for me, I, I definitely need a couple of weeks. Um, so maybe that would be a good thing to try yeah. next time. And then you maybe you'll feel even better. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I think for me, it's also that running is just easiest. You know, mm-hmm. it's easier than going and getting on a bike somewhere. It's easier than going yeah. and getting in a pool. So it's like if I have my opportunity, then if I can and I feel okay. So anyway, that's my story. I want to go back and talk about well, your congratulations. Thank you. Um, I want um, to talk about your big accomplishment okay. <laughs> this, this fall because you know so many people um, we work with, we've talked to. Uh, you were just on the Rambling Runner podcast talking about this uh, face injury and are looking at coming back and can be discouraged. At, at, will they be able to come back? What does it take? The patience is really hard, and you're somebody who had a ton of patience. You were very meticulous with your recovery. You didn't push it. And let's talk about what happened and how that played out for your last chance to BQ right before the, the yeah. So, um, when we left off in July, I had just run my first 5k, um, more as a race. I didn't, um, race to my full, um, potential at all, but it was, it was a little bit of a comeback race and I felt okay. And, um, I was, excited that I didn't have any pain or anything. And after that, I decided to quietly start ramping up my mileage uh, slowly but surely and seeing how I felt week to week and possibly train to run the last chance to BQ marathon, which is outside of Chicago. Um, It was on September 14th and therefore was um, just two months from that date. So talk a little bit about that marathon, how it's structured to help. Sure. So for those who didn't hear me talk about it on the rambling runner podcast, it's a loop marathon and it's um, eight loops of about uh, 3.1 miles, give or take. And it adds up to 26.2 and it sounds really awful, but what is great about this race is that it's around a nature preserve. It has, it's flat, but not so flat that you're not using different muscles at times. So it's no different than running just a pretty normal route in our area where you've got a a few rollers, but nothing monumental to allow you to engage different muscles 
and it's repetitive. And for me, psychologically, it was a great choice because not only did it fit well with, um, it literally was the last race that you could BQ as it was September 14th. Um, so it was right in the middle of BQ Boston registration, but not too late, but it also provided me with a safety net in the event that I did not feel, um, well, I could just get off the course and not have to deal with that, um, thought, oh, well, I'm already at this point and I need to keep going because if I don't, I'll have to take the bus back. And if I take the bus back, it could take longer than just finishing the race. So that was, um, why I chose that race. And also because I have family in Chicago and it was logistically very easy for me to just fly on out there on Friday, run the race on Saturday and come back Saturday night. And that is literally what I did. So I made the decision to actually go for it. Um, after running the Parks Half Marathon, which was the week before, and that sounds really crazy, but I had to assess how I felt after And parks. you didn't race it. You No, I was a pacer. Yeah. And the pace that I was pacing Parks Half Marathon was um, slower than my projected marathon pace. And so I knew if I felt okay during Parks the week before, then I would be okay to run um, this race, which was not going to be a race for me, but rather a... Um, comfortably uncomfortable run because I was going to do the bare minimum that I needed to do to qualify. So for me, that was about an 830 pace. I needed about a 345 or, you know, somewhere under 350 to qualify. So my goal was 830 pace, 345. Um, so after pacing Parks Half Marathon on September 8th, I felt, um, I felt okay. And I recovered fine. I didn't even have soreness. And I thought, I'm going to try this. And it's insane, but it really wasn't because it was no different than doing a 12-miler the week before, which is normally what I do somewhere between 10 and 12 or any of our runners do the week before a big race. So um, I flew out and I, I did it quietly because I just didn't want to put pressure on myself. I, I was afraid that if I started making sort of announcements about doing this race, I would feel pressure to tie this up in a bow. And everyone had been so supportive of me and so um, just interested in a good way about my injury. I just didn't want this feeling that I had to somehow create a narrative that you maybe- You to do it on your own. Yeah. And I just didn't want that pressure of creating a narrative that I wasn't able to sustain. And I wanted to make sure I was safe about it. So, um, it ended up being a great day for running. The weather was perfect. And I ran with, um, uh, our, one of our runners, Andrea also went out to do it. So it was super fun to do it with her. And also Cindy Kuzma, our dear friend who just wrote ironically a book about recovering from injury and tough and tough obstacles called rebound, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. And Sydney's also a writer for runner's world and she lives in Chicago and she too was running it. So all of us have different reasons for being there. And it was, we all were different paces because we all had different times that we had to um, try and achieve to be cute. But it was just so nice to see them on the course loop after loop and have that comfort of seeing them there. And um, running the race was, it was really um, relaxing. I can't explain it except to say it was very calming. We get into like probably your zone and you just do that yeah. loop. Uh, people always laugh at me because I do the same running route all the time for my, and I can do a lot of times my 20 mile runs are loops and people think, how can you do that? But to me, it's very like, I can zone out and I don't have to worry about where I'm going. I can just, I don't know, I can get into my zone. So it sounds like similar. You could just yeah. get into your zone and it's like a, I got in my rhythm. Yeah. And, and I kind of dedicated like each 
each loop, I kind of thought about something else to kind of break it up. I didn't use music or anything like that. It was a course where they allowed that, but I didn't want that. And I just thought really hard about doing the bare minimum down to the way I was running. I was just trying to run very efficiently. I mean, I already am an efficient runner. I have a very high cadence, but um, staying relaxed, staying relaxed, thinking about my shoulders, thinking about my arm swing, just really thinking about very bare minimum. And then probably around mile, literally 25 was when it set in. I was like, where the F is the finish line, where the F is it, because I'm done. And and that's all mental because really mile 25, it was just mental. And um, I finished in 338, which was certainly well under what I needed. And um, I felt so relieved and so happy. And I, I truly have felt such pride in that I was able, not because I be cute, but because I was able to do this in my way. And, and I know that everyone has a different story and you can't always look at how other people achieve goals and say that that's their footprint. But I just felt like I, I was able to forge a path for me that worked for me. And with the support of my physical therapist and with the support of my docs and with the support of you and Darren, and nobody was saying you can't do this, but everyone understood how important it was to me. And I just felt that because of all that support, I think I felt very confident that I would do it. And when I crossed the finish line, it was just so rewarding. And I am pleased to say that because I did it on September 14th, I accidentally qualified for 2020 and 2021. That's awesome. That's, so, yay. Um, <laughs> so you did get your story and you got to wrap it up yeah. in a bow. So now that that's over and you have qualified for Boston and we know we're both going to be there this year. Woo! Yay. What? Tell me about what's happened after, what kind of recovery you allowed yourself. Like, are you going to be targeting anything this winter? What, what's your, what are your plans before Boston starts? So I ran that race in mid-September and I didn't run for about two weeks and that felt great. I am fortunate enough. I, I now have a, a bike and so I use that a lot for cross training. So, um, I feel like it allows me to have those endorphins aerobically without running. It's just been a tremendous benefit for me. And it's convenient. We were talking about that before. Running is convenient, and that's why sometimes we choose to do that, but to have a bike in your house and convenient for you. So helpful. And um, and my whole family enjoys it. So it's kind of – well, three-fourths of my family. Ella is not riding the bike, but (laughs) Noah and Darren and I really like it. Um, So I resumed – I I continued strength training. I think I mentioned this a a lot too. With my recovery, I've really come to enjoy strength training. So I'm doing a lot of that still. And I find that to be really beneficial because it not only benefits my running, but I think psychologically to have a challenge that's parallel to running that has nothing to do with running also really helps. To feel strong. To feel strong. Helps a lot. Um, So I started probably, yeah, in October, I, I did a couple of 5Ks. Um, I did the Rockville 10K and I haven't done any speed work because I just really wanted to meaningfully recover from doing that Hail Mary marathon that I didn't meaningfully train for. And um, I have to say, interestingly, I am a consistent speed work girl. And it's so interesting. This fall, all of the 5Ks I've done have been pretty much exactly the same times as what I have done 
when I've been doing speed work. So I very much believe that my cycling combined with my consistent mileage um, and getting a lot of staying healthy and getting a lot of sleep and eating properly has helped me get away with doing all these 5Ks without having to do speed work. Now, I don't think that would translate to doing longer races like a 10 miler or a half marathon. I do think in marathon training, I do think if you have a specific time goal, you can't necessarily get away with not doing speed work at all. But I do think you can get away with not doing too speed work workouts and what I mean and formal speed work. Right. Yeah. I really think as we get older, it's really important to kind of look at what you're doing and making sure that it works for you. So traditionally, a lot of people like to do, for example, a Tuesday speed workout, a Thursday tempo run, run and a long run. I've stopped doing that. I now do two, one to two key workouts a week. So one week I might do my key workout within my long run plus a speed workout or no speed workout and do a key workout, which is a race or do a key workout within my long run. So, um, I think that, you know, it's, it's sometimes it takes an accident to kind of figure out what bare minimum you can do. And certainly if you have a really big goal, um, which I do not right now, my really big goal is to stay healthy and consistent. I don't have this big time goal I'm trying to achieve. So this is where I am right now personally, but I do think it's worth stating that I've done no speed work and my 5K times have been identical to last year when I was doing speed work. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I think that raises a really good point. And you have to look at each runner as an individual because I also think you have a lot of natural talent. So what do you have to do above that to sharpen that natural talent? Like, do you have to do the speed work? Maybe not. And if you do the speed work, is it going to make you more prone to injury? Then maybe we don't do that and you don't see much difference in your time. And like you said, the other thing is, what is your goal? Is it a 5K? Well, you probably can get away with not doing a lot of speed work. And again, natural talent and being healthy and being strong, the strength that you're doing. So I think that's, and that's what we try to do with our runners is really look at this individual. Is this somebody, do they already have the natural talent? What do we have to put on top of that to make sure A, they stay healthy and B, they capitalize on that natural talent? And is it somebody who maybe needs and can take a little more speed work without facing injury? Or is it somebody who's very injury prone and that extra speed work isn't going to make that much of a difference in their time and whatever race they're targeting? So it is really, you do have to understand yourself and look, like you said too, look at your goals. You, you don't have a big looming time goal. So right now you're trying to stay healthy and you're finding that you're just as fast and strong. And to me, it's really amazing that you just had surgery. Now it's May, June, July, August, like what, six months ago, seven months ago. And you're back to running the times that you were. And I think that's really great for people who are injured now who are wondering, am I really ever going to get back to where I was before? And some people think once you're injured, you might not. That's not true at all. If you're very patient and stay on top of things and really um, and take your recovery seriously and do all the right things during the recovery, that you can get back there. But that's really critical. You got to believe in yourself. That's the other thing. There's a lot of people that will give you a lot of advice and advice as well. Everyone is, has great intentions and you should listen to the, to that advice. But like I was saying earlier, one person's story isn't necessarily your story. And I think you have to have, believe in, in what but trust your, you trust your, trust instincts. your instincts and believe yeah. in yourself. And just because something went well for someone else, it can go well for you too. But just because something didn't go well for someone else, it doesn't mean it won't go well for you. So right. you have collect to collect all the information yeah. 
sort through it, call through it, look at your life, look at, you know, your goals and your experiences and figure out, because you did the same too. You talked to different doctors who gave you different advice and you really had to think which one really applies to me, which one resonates with me, which one makes sense to me. So you can talk to lots of different people, even if they're experts and get different opinions. And you really just have to, like you said, trust yourself, believe in yourself, trust and be patient. That's, I think the biggest thing that we've seen is you really have to be patient and not rush the process because you may end up back to where you started and it's going to set you back. True. Yeah. And I do think too, the cross training, getting back to the cross training, that's also been really critical for me in keeping my fitness at a strong level, uh, but giving me a little bit of a break from, from running. And we had talked in our goals when we had talked in one of our final episodes last season, what our goals were. And one of mine, in addition to having wished I'd signed up for the 50 K was to get back to some more cycling. And my kids are on a cycling team and that actually makes it very easy for me now that all three are on them to kind of go to practice with them and, and start, start riding. And, uh, during road season. So they have different seasons of riding. And in the spring and summer, they ride on the roads, which I'm very used to. And having been doing triathlons and road riding, very used to that. It's like road running for us. In the fall, they do something called cyclocross. And I didn't even know what this was when they started, but it is essentially, I like to describe it as a cross country running course on a racing bike. So you're on a racing bike with drop handles and clipped in, and you're riding through grass and mud and up really steep hills. And sometimes you have to jump off your bike to carry it over barriers. It's really, if, if you haven't seen it, look it up on YouTube and it's really neat. And my kids for the last couple of years have been bugging me, like, you should come to practice. You should try it. And I'm just not very, like I talked about before running on trails. I'm not very stable on uneven surfaces. I like either. I like even clean, like I like pavement. I do. I know a lot of people like trails and it's great for different reasons, but I'm not, I'm not confident on it. So I did this season start practicing with my kids at their practices. I got a cyclocross bike from their coach's wife who was done using it. And I started practicing and realized how scary and hard it really is. So every practice, I try to have a different excuse for not going, oh, I'm sorry, I have work to do. I'm sorry, I have this. I started using the Marine Corps Corps Marathon 50K as my excuse. I can't come to practice. I can't do a race because I don't want to get hurt. For because there Which was a lot legit. of fun. It is totally legit yeah. because I did go to practice one day and fell off the bike and hurt my knee and was really nervous that I had hurt my knee seriously. Yeah. And luckily it wasn't, but it was legit. But um, as soon as the Marine Corps Marathon 50K was over, my kids looked at me and said, Mom, you have no more excuses. <laughs> you have to do a race. And this race happened to be right near us. And my race that my for my age my category, which is actually beginner category five women, uh, was right before there. So everything sort of came together. They said, we don't have to go super early for your race. It's right near home. Uh, the day before uh, the local bike uh, association, MABRA, the Mid-Atlantic Bicycle Riders Association, MABRA women had a pre-ride just for women and kind of walked everybody through it. Uh, I've gone to a couple of those clinics, which have been amazing, very hand-holding and opening, o- open to all levels and everyone's super nice. So I went to the pre-ride and my kids said, now you did the pre-ride. You got to preview the course. They showed you how to ride it. Now you have to race. And I thought, I really don't want to race. And I, but then what are you supposed to do? You know, you tell your kids, like you follow through on your, on your commitments and you just, you just do it. And so I did, I signed up for the race. I was terrified. And I went uh, to slept the night before. Yeah, I did not sleep. I kept waking up in the middle of the night, like picturing the, the, all the harder technical parts of the course that I had uh-huh. done in the preview and thinking of how I was going to fall during those or how I was going to hurt myself or there was going to be a rider behind me and I was going to mess them up because I slowed down or stopped or had to get off my bike. And I just went out there and did it. And as soon as I got out there, it was such a rush. It was an amazing rush. So Everyone cool. was so nice. And, um, I found myself 
in the end in third place on the podium. So, so it was awesome. really, and I, I was just most proud that I didn't embarrass my kids. My kids were on the course cheering for me with their teammates. And I was just most proud that I did not embarrass them. I got over the barriers. Okay. I did all the technical aspects and it was a really nice day because, uh, so all of us raced in different categories. So when you go over the barriers, do you get off your bike? Yes. Most okay. everybody, 99% of people, adults and children, uh-huh. do, you junior racers get off. You, you, you actually are taught. I've been taught to uh-huh. dismount while you're, I'll just show you a video once of okay. my son who does. It's amazing. They dismount, keep running, jump over the barriers. Like it's, it's, it's like a ballet. It's beautiful. I don't do it that gracefully, but that's what you do. There is one boy in my son's racing age group, and I'll have to post this video. We love him. He's a great racer. He jumps the barriers on his bike. He bunny hops them. It's called, it is in, amazing to watch. I have a video it's, of him. It reminds me of like hurtling and yeah, track. Yeah. On a he bike. goes over them. Wow. Everybody else runs. Yeah, it's like I said, adults and kids alike. I, okay. I very rarely see. So anyway, so that day was great. Um, my daughter, older daughter, Ari took uh, first in her category. Um, Alex took second. I took third. Uh, Kira, our youngest star, took fifth. So we had all the podium spots, so cool. except we put our dog Buster on the fourth. <laughs> so it was a really fun, and it just been such a nice way to spend time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And um, that that weekend, we had spent all day the day before at their race that we were all together at. And then we went straight to the women's clinic and they came with me to that. So they could pre-ride the course and the girls rode with me in the, in the women's clinic. And so we had spent the entire day, no screens, no electronics outside all day together. And then we went back and did the race the next day and spent half the day together. And it's just been such a nice way for us to spend time together. And for me, it's been really neat to do this cycle cross requires a lot of core strength. It requires a lot of bike handling skills, uh, requires a lot of guts, really guts mm-hmm. and getting out of your comfort zone and just facing these uh, technical parts of the course and just going for it. And that to me, the mental aspect of that has been really phenomenal. So, and it was just getting out of my comfort zone. I, you know, we do this, I'm always training on the roads. I'm always riding on the roads and I don't ever get out of that comfort zone to, to, to do that. Really, I felt gave me and gave me the opportunity to do some different um, type of, uh, of, of work with my body and mm-hmm. different zones that's very different than running. So that's been, and it's been really fun. So I don't do, well, I do another one. I'm going to quit while I'm at the top and mm-hmm. I'll probably do another one eventually, but it was, it, it's been really great. So that, that I agree that that having something else to complement running, especially in this time in between before we start uh, training really more formally for Boston has been really nice. Absolutely. So that's a good segue to um, Boston training so I know, I know for you and, and we're both, um, going away for part of, you know, the, the week during winter break. And, um, it's, it's hard to formally train for anyone during the holiday season, but, um, generally speaking, January 1st is kind of the kickoff, um, for Boston training. But for some people, mid-December is actually more appropriate because you want to make sure that you have, enough um, recovery weeks built into your training. So a four-month cycle is sometimes better than a three-month cycle. But too long, you, ha- you might have too many long runs in there. And sometimes you you just get a little bit over Don't want to peak too soon. Don't want to peak too soon. So um, we've had a lot of runners come to us past couple weeks, and we're thrilled about that. As we mentioned earlier, we're starting to um, – coach runners, not specifically for Boston, but kind of prepare them to start yes, building for yes. Boston. And a lot of that is coaching for them to not run right now, to take it really, really easy during this downtime, because so many people have just completed 
fall marathons or late fall marathons. And mentally, then you kind of think, well, now I got to start thinking about Boston, but really your body shouldn't be thinking about Boston. If you just ran a marathon in um, late October, November, there's, you should build in enough time to really allow your body mentally and physically to just be. And that's what we get a lot of runners Mm -hmm. saying to us. I need your help because if I don't have your help, I'm going to run too much and go into Boston training already injured or ready on the verge of injury or just burned out. So, right. We do coach a lot of people right now and it's a little bit boring the workout, you know, it's, I wouldn't say boring, but it's, it's scaled back and, uh, but it's on purpose so that you're really coached to take it easy now before you want to, you want to peak at the right time. You want to ramp up at the right time. Yeah. And again, it's everybody's individual. We just talked about how everyone is so individual. And so people need that extra time to start to ramp up. Some people need some more recovery time. So it's very individual. Definitely. I think this is a great opportunity before starting Boston training in earnest, or let me rephrase that any spring marathon training, because there's plenty of people listening to this who aren't necessarily running Boston. And we, we completely appreciate that. We, when we say Boston, just know we also mean spring marathon. Spring marathon season. It's a great time to just kind of get your body stronger, work out any um, residual aches and pains that may be happening. Great time to get your stride assessed by a physical therapist. We know um, for those who aren't familiar where we live, um, we have the Run Performance Lab through the Montgomery County Roadrunners Club. You sign up on their website. It's offered once a month. And we work at that and it allows uh, a bunch of expert eyes to look at your stride and assess what you need. But any physical therapist can do that. And I think it's worth time, your time, if you're in a situation where you might feel like when you increase your mileage to a certain point, for example, your right side always hurts or this hip hurts. You may not have any kind of specific injury, but maybe there's a weakness. And just having a set of eyes take a look at you before you really get into the meat and potatoes of your training is so beneficial, especially during this time. And the other thing I would add that's a really great thing to do is um, um, start thinking about putting together or if you're coached, getting from your coach, whatever, a strength training routine that you can make a habit because strength training is so key, especially as you increase mileage. And it doesn't have to be anything complicated. We talked about this a lot on the podcast before, but it's worth mentioning again. This is the time to start thinking about how your strength training routine is going to look and, and implementing it because asking yourself to implement increased mileage adding the speed work, adding the strength training. Oh, and then adding in that I'm going to eat really well during this training season. It's just too much. So maybe um, during this downtime, think about your strength training and maybe start thinking about if you've had some really unhealthy habits, like not sleeping a lot, thinking about how you can get more sleep. I'm not going to sit here and delve into nutrition because that's not my place, but I will say- We'll talk uh, about it this season. Yeah, but I was going to say just- Give yourself some grace with your nutrition because it's holiday time and recognize that, you know, we just celebrated Thanksgiving. Food is okay. Food is great. And food is meant to be eaten and enjoyed. And um, don't feel that sense of obligation about food and recognize that when you start your training cycle, you don't have to be 100% all in with everything all at once and just be good to yourself because we should be able to enjoy life while we're training. It shouldn't be this um, militant experience. And sometimes we get into that zone when we're surrounded by a lot of people who, who sort of make you feel that way. And we're here to say that it's important to enjoy the process, enjoy it because we've said this before, we are also lucky to be able to have this hobby that we get to pursue and enjoy so much. And when it doesn't become enjoyable, then there's a problem. So 
And you don't um, want to start out that way. But I do yeah. like what you said that start now. This is a downtime for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Even if you're sort of starting your training or you really want to focus mm-hmm. on training, this is the time when there's extra time to focus on strength and getting, I, I also agree, getting into a routine now, a habit. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes when I wake up in the morning, I do 15 minutes of strength and then mm-hmm. I get on with my day. Or before I go to bed, I do. Or when I go to the gym to do this class that I'm doing, I spend 15 minutes before or after just so you get into the habit of doing it. And it becomes a natural part so that you're not having to think so much once you start your training for any spring race or marathon or whatever it might be. You don't have to make it, it doesn't have to be such a such a big ordeal to fit in the strength. And we really try so hard to make it convenient for our runners because we want we want people to recognize that strength does not have to be at a gym with machines. And there are so many key strength exercises that that can be done with body weight that benefit runners. And there are so many really great athletes out there that do not go to a gym to do their strength training, but they are doing meaningful strength training. And it's really, really important. So um, I think there's always time to do it. Um, so that being said, we just talked about the fact that we're so excited to, to be continuing to coach so many great runners from all over, but we're really excited that, um, we are celebrating this year, our 10 year run, run anniversary anniversary. We met exactly 10 years ago in November of 2009 at a race and my life changed forever. And um, I'm so grateful for you and our partnership and um, this business and this community that we've had the opportunity to build. And I just, I love you so much. I love the runners we get to coach. And I cannot believe that we've been doing this for 10 years. It's flown by. We keep getting younger. So how is that even possible? (laughs) Right. And I just, um, I'm just thrilled to be still doing this with you. And as a result, we are celebrating our anniversary on 2-2-20, February 2nd, 2020. It's a Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday morning. And we're going to do an event for our community. We already have our keynote lined up. Um, should we announce it now or should we wait? I think we can announce okay, it because I like to yeah. Promote, yeah. promote the book too. So you had mentioned before um, Cindy Kuzma, who is one of our um, one of we've gotten to know well over the years, and she writes for uh, Runners World and a, a lot of other um, other publication. And she and her co-author just came out with uh, a new book um, called Rebound, all about recovery and not just recovery, but how to approach mentally and how to how to productively come back from any, any challenges. And it's been, we have some runners right now who are injured. Um, It's, it's a really helpful resource. And again, not just for injured runners. I really think it applies more, more broadly to anybody who's facing some challenges or just hits roadblocks in whatever, whatever form that may be in their training. And so we are lucky enough to have her coming from Chicago here to celebrate with us and and talk about her book and also be on a panel that's going to talk about uh, rebounding from, from life's challenges. challenges. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're really excited. Um, tentative, tentatively, tentatively, our venue will be at Lululemon in Gaithersburg. Um, we're pretty sure that's going to work out. I say that tentatively because um, we are making sure that the capacity will provide us with enough seats to be able to um, have a venue for everyone who'd want to attend. And so we're going to have a lot of fun 
um, enhancements and goodie bags and all the things that we love to do to um, welcome people to our events. For some of you may have remembered, we did RunFest a few years ago, and it will have a similar feel to RunFest. And we just wanted to bring our community together. Uh, we have so many people now in our community that aren't local. And, and of course, if anyone is in town and wants to attend, we would so love for all of our community to attend virtual and um, here in the DC area. But we are so excited to have Cindy fly out to talk about her book and do a book signing. Yeah, I just want to put a plug in for the mm-hmm. book and give the full yeah. name in case anyone wants to get it now and start mm-hmm. reading it. It's Rebound, Training Training Your Mind to Bounce Back Stronger from Sports Injuries. And she wrote it along with her co-author, Carrie Jackson Cheadle. So they're both really phenomenal writers. And this is a really great resource, again, for anybody who may have faced injury, is currently facing injury, or just wants to understand the mental uh strategies that you can use to to overcome any challenge. Yes. And they also have a podcast that's called the Injured Runner, um, Injured Athlete Podcast, rather. And um, they have a lot of really well-known athletes on their podcast. My favorite episode so far, and also she's in the book, is Caitlin Goodman. She's um, an elite runner, professional runner, who um, lives in the Boston area. And she was hit um, by a car and um, was slated to run New York City. New York City Marathon was the prime of her running, incredible marathoner, and was out for a year. And she talks about how she recovered, and she's back running again. But one of the things she did to recover from her injury was she got a dog. Yeah. And I just thought that was the sweetest story. So lots of athletes, lots of professional athletes interviewed in this book and discussed, and lots of modalities. And um, recommendations for how to overcome challenges. And we are just thrilled that Cindy's going to come to the DC area on 2220 and um, save the date. We'll have tickets available, complimentary Mm -hmm. tickets, but it will be limited capacity just depending on where we, uh, like you said, I think we'll, it'll be at Lululemon in in downtown Crown and Gaithersburg and we'll just have limited capacity. So keep an eye out for the opening of tickets uh, that will be offered online. Yes. And speaking um, of limited capacity, I feel like I have to do a plug. We do still have spots open for Boston coaching, but we, we have to limit it because we only have so much time between the two of us. So, um, if you're thinking about, um, using us as coaches, we would love to coach you, but we, we, we have to, um, start soon. So if that's something you've been thinking about, please reach out, um, at Julie and Lisa at run farther and faster. Not just Boston, but any, of yeah, any spring marathons, but we are already starting. We've opened and started this month. We're starting December 1st with a whole new crop of, of runners that are training for various spring goals. Yes. And we in addition excited. to the runners we, we already right. have and are so grateful to be coaching. So, we only have so much capacity ourselves that so we want to make sure that we serve everyone meaningfully and do all the things that we want to do to make sure that everyone feels that they get the attention they deserve. So excellent. Well, it's been amazing to be back and we are so excited for this new season and having a lot of hopefully again, like we did last season, great guests on board and, uh, I'm just excited we're back to getting to be together on a regular basis and catching up with each other weekly. Me too. So we will resume our regular podcast in early January. So in the meantime, um, this episode will roll out and we'll just say this is our December episode, but we look forward to another great season of the Boston Marathon Run Farther and Faster podcast. And happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Julie.